0: Welcome to G220 Radio. This is Ricky Gantz along with Mike Miller and tonight we are going to be talking with Andrew Cummings. He is a missionary to Brazil with Baptist Men Missions. And so, Andrew, welcome to G220 Radio.
1: Well, hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. And I've been looking forward to it for about a week now.
0: Yeah, we've connected uh, over this past week. We, uh, I was out thrifting with my wife and we came across a couple books and they happened to be your books. And so interesting story. I saw them because they were, uh, this is what they look like here, uh, Missionary Max. All right. We see that there. And then uh, this one here. And I seen these and with the comic graphics, I I started to kind of skim through it real quick because uh, we were downtown or down in Amish country and we were Headed up back home soon. And so I was kind of skimming through it and I saw it said Baptist. So I thought, okay, I'm going to give it a shot. And I came home and looked it up and I'm like, oh, this guy's with Baptist mid missions. And that's right here in my area. I grew up in a GARBC church that was connected with Baptist mid missions. Uh, we actually had a missionary lady in our church uh, who I'm still friends with to this day uh, who was employed with Baptist mid missions and did the Bible clubs out of our church. And oh, so cool. very grateful for her, Miss Nancy Knopf. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard oh, the yeah. name or. Okay, oh, yeah. So, so yeah. Nancy, yep. yep. So small world. Yeah, uh, great, yeah. Great, wonderful, wonderful Christian lady. Yep. And uh, so I was familiar with Baptist mid- mid- mid-missions. And so I reached out to you and said, hey, I'd love to have you come on. Uh, tell us about your work there in Brazil and, and these books. And so, uh, like I said, for me, I saw it, the comics and I thought, May, maybe my teenage boys would read this you know, because, uh, they love the comics. They love, you know, sometimes some of the, the books and things they want to read. I'm just like, how is that entertaining? <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, so I, I figured yeah. let me give this a shot. And, um, so Andrew, why don't you go ahead and tell us, uh, a little bit about yourself, mm-hmm. um, where you come from and, uh, you know, if you you have any family and then share with us your testimony, how you came to know the Lord Jesus Christ
1: sure uh first of all I, I, I when 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 you got in touch with me i was I was very excited to, to see that my books had uh made it into thrift stores uh, that's a that's a, <laughs> that, that I guess that that's a that's a a great moment in an author's life or at least i I thought it was so um yeah uh my name's Andrew Cummings and uh I, my last name is spelled c o m um, i n g s which is different than some other people spell it, but just think of think of the opposite of goings it's, that's that 's how my name is spelled Cummings, opposite of goings uh, I was born and raised uh, most of my life in upstate New York um, I was born in Ithaca, which is famous for cornell university and uh, and and then I grew up most of my my dad pastored my dad 's a pastor he um He pastored for a few years in Western Pennsylvania, not far from Pittsburgh. And then, um, and then we moved back up to New York and I spent most of my growing up years in near, near a city called Corning, uh, which is famous for Corning glassworks in Southern tier of New York. So, uh, if any of my, if any of my Southern tier peeps are, are watching this, you know, shout out to shout out to Staben County and all, all of that, um. So, like I said, I was raised in a in a pastor's home so i was uh, and our home was was saturated with the gospel, and so I heard the gospel from uh, from a little child growing up and so um I, I made a profession of faith at at a very early age and um and I praise the lord for that i was i was um uh, and, and I am just as, as depraved uh, a human being as anybody else, but because God saved me when I was young, um, I did not have to, uh, he didn't have to bring me from, from far from, from the gospel. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. so, so the, the, the benefits and privileges of growing up in a Christian home, I guess is what I'm, what I'm getting at. And, uh, so then, um, God began to work at me on me towards uh, towards ministry, uh, and 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 one of the things that um, one of the things that He did when I was seventeen, uh, He allowed me to come to a um, a uh, uh, come on a short term mission trip here in Brazil, and I spent two months. And uh, at that point in my life, I was really resisting um, the uh, call to missions. Uh, called a ministry, but when I came to Brazil, God God kind of showed me, you know, this is where this is where you can fit, and um, this is you know, ministry ministry can look like this as well, and so, um, and so when I when I came back a few months later, I went to a a conference, and it's the um it was the Empire State uh, Fellowship, which is the Association of Regular Baptist Churches there in New York. And it was in a place called Dunkirk, New York, which is up not far from uh, Buffalo, Lake Erie area. And, uh, and we were, um, and the theme of that conference was missions. The guy that was speaking there was from AWE, and uh, he preached on missions. And, and, and it was there that I said, okay, Lord, if missions is what you want me to do, then I want to do it. Uh, God opened up the door uh, a couple of years later, 1994 to 96, I came back down to Brazil I studied for two years at a Bible college that we have here in Brazil. I came on a student visa, so I was kind of like an exchange student. I was with Baptist Missions as a short-term missionary. Uh, I raised support to do it, so I kind of got my feet wet in the traditional uh, faith missions um, uh, project. Uh, I spent two years here in Brazil at the Bible College. My last semester of Bible College, a young lady... Came to came to Bible College as a student from a, a city called São Luis. São Luis is the capital of the Brazilian state of Maranhão. And uh, to tell, to kind of give you an idea where that is, if you picture the coastline of South America uh, with the Atlantic Ocean, most of that is Brazil, and there's a part that juts out towards Africa and then comes back in, and we're we're about at where it starts coming back in towards going up towards the Amazon. That's uh mm-hmm. that's where where San Luis is. So, so uh, my wife came. She wasn't my wife then. She came as a Bible college student and uh, we began dating. Uh, her name is Itasiara, by the way. And um, there won't be a quiz on that afterwards. Uh, she, people in the U.S. call her Tasi. And so we, we dated for a, a couple months there while I was still a short-termer. Then I went back to the United States uh i was by that time i was convinced that i needed to be in brazil as a missionary and so i enrolled in a small bible college in the city of uh well near the city of lakeland florida uh the the college was called spurgeon baptist bible college and it was just a small little bible college it has since closed i graduated in 2000 and it closed like in 2002 2003 mm-hmm. somewhere in there so uh but i graduated and we i dated my wife long distance the 4 years that it took me to go, get through bible college and uh i went i went back in in 1999 to get engaged i came back here to brazil and when i came back in 99 to get engaged that i i got to visit the city of san luis saw the needs here uh met met some of the pastors and uh and and so that became my focus uh for for missions in Brazil was the city of San Luis. Graduated in 2000, got married, and uh, came back to Brazil to get married. And then we served in our church in, in Lakeland, Florida for uh, two years, uh, Fellowship Baptist Church, Lakeland, Florida. Shout out to all my Lakeland, Florida peeps also. And uh, and then um, and then we were sent out by that church as missionaries to Brazil. I joined Baptist and Missions in 2002. Got to the field uh, in 2005, spent three years raising support, came to the field in 2005. And so then we've been here ever since. We spent our first term working at the Bible College. Uh, I was the director of practical ministries. And then both my wife and I were the, um, like, spent some time being the dean of students. And she, she was in charge of the girls' dorm, I was in charge of the guys' dorm. And then our second term, we came up to San Luis and started planning. Uh, we worked with a church planner, uh, a Brazilian church planner for a while. Then we struck out and, and started our own church. Uh, that church has its own Brazilian pastor. And so now our, we have two main ministries here. Um, uh, our, our main ministry, the one we're, that's taking most of our energy, is, that, is we're starting a camp. Uh, we bought a piece of property in 2011. The camp is... Um, uh, the, the camp is now just just becoming active. So we're preparing for three retreats by the end of this year. Next year, I hope to have a, a summer program uh, in place and so on, but we're doing a lot of building of infrastructure. And then our other ministry, other, our other main ministry is um, is a Bible institute that we're starting here among our churches to prepare people in our churches for leadership in the churches. That's We've identified that uh, together with our co-workers here, our co pastors we have we've identified that as one of the biggest needs, and so we've started focusing on that. In fact, we just got back uh, from that. My wife is teaching at that; she's teaching a um, educational methods um, class at the at the Bible Institute. So we just we just drove back from that and turned on the computer, and here we are. Yeah. So that's the that's the reader's digest version of, of, of our ministry and our life. And up to this point, it, it, if people want more details, they can go to my website, which is called andrewcummings.com. And uh, that's, it's just my name.com. That's just was the most, the easiest way for people to remember. And you can find all, all kinds of stuff out about us. So. Yeah.
0: Now you said that uh, with the Institute and the needs that are there, what are some of the things that maybe you've seen when you first came into Brazil were some of the the needs or ways in which you could reach the people uh was there like a a hunger for them to hear the truth or or was there you know like sometimes we see a lot of other you know, not, not that it's want to make these denominational things, but you see sometimes other, maybe more charismatic people go into certain areas or, um, like I've, I've, I've read with, uh, Conrad, uh, is it uh, Conway and over in Africa, mm-hmm. there's a lot of prosperity kind of gospel being pushed into there. What was some of the, the demographics there of Brazil? Like, what is, was there a, a major denominational kind of push or some some bad theology there or just kind of what, what did it look like when you was coming into the country
1: okay um yeah that's a good question and i'll try to keep this uh keep this short because um yeah we could talk for a long time about this uh brazil is uh brazilian evangelicalism is is defined um by the health and wealth gospel Mm -hmm. Uh, that's that's the best way i know of putting it it is defined by the health and wealth gospel in other words here in brazil if you say i'm an evangelical uh or i'm a protestant or i'm a crente which is the word a believer um the next thing you have to say is but i'm not like the universal church uh because there's a there's a huge denomination called here called the universal church of the kingdom of god and it is a health and wealth uh p- preaching money making machine uh praying on the on the most um vulnerable of people the, and, and the, the neediest of people taking their last dollars and um and, and then going on to the next you know group and and they have congregations in in just about every municipality of over a 1000 people Mm -hmm. and and many with less and then they have spawned because they were so hugely successful they have spawned other churches you know throughout brazil other denominations there's there's three main ones the universal church the worldwide church and the and the uh oh what's the other one igreja mundial and uh, i forget what the other one is but it's there's another one um i can't come up with it right now they're they're all over the place and so and so that is that's what defines evangelicalism in Brazil. And, and because they were so successful, um, quote unquote successful, some of their theology, their theology has seeped into, uh, in, into traditional denominational churches, like uh, like the Assemblies of God, which is a very large denomination here in Brazil. And even, even some denominations that sh- this should really know better. Um, so, uh and there has been a, there has been a weakening of theological um, thought and theological thinking, and, and theological training. Let me put it that way, in 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 our churches. And to the extent that, um, one of my colleagues put it this way, he said, "When I when I came to Brazil, uh, he's he's a veteran missionary of several decades, and he said, um, when I came to Brazil." I I was witnessing to the Roman Catholics, he says, now I find myself witnessing to the evangelicals, Mm -hmm. because there was a time when, you know, all the evangelicals in Brazil, the the main, the main opposition was the Roman Catholics, and, and uh, all of them agreed, whether charismatic or not, they all would agree on like the five solas, you know, broadly agree on the five solas, now that is not the case. And so, um, and so we have that. That's why theological training in our local churches is is so important. That's why our my fellow pastors here, I uh, work with with uh, five great uh, Brazilian pastors here in our region, and and that's why we identify. We said that we need to we need to focus on this. So that's mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons we're doing that.
0: Yeah, and you said uh, that this pastor, that's a veteran, has been been in uh, the ministry for a long time. Said when he came there. It was heavily Roman Catholic. The, the, mm-hmm. Brazil is the place with the big statue of a yes, Jesus, Christ right? the Redeemer statue. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah, that's that just goes to show the influence of the this this bad theology that's just going out in all these places of the world and yeah. being dominant. Um, mm-hmm. And it's really sad to see. I, I don't know the 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 economics of Brazil uh as a as a you know in comparison to America, but they really feed on on people you know and and you have these individuals when you think of like uh I think of like I mentioned with uh Africa people that are in poverty mm-hmm. and they're giving everything because they believe that if they sow this seed or they give, they're somehow in return going to reap benefits from that, and it's really just those individuals continuing to had their pockets while yeah. these people get poorer and poorer
1: because it's a it's a it's a seductive message it's it's a it's a if you give the little that you have god is going to multiply it mm-hmm. and um and 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 so and 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 so they give the little that they have and and god doesn't multiply because nowhere has he promised to do that and and then they and 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 so then they come to say well i gave the little that i have and god didn't multiply it and and they say, well, that's because you you didn't have faith, mm-hmm. you didn't have enough faith. And so, now, uh, yeah, go ahead.
2: No, continue your thought.
1: Sorry. Oh no, I was done. I'm. That so, was my.
2: Um, I guess to think about it. So I've heard African missionaries talk about this issue. So this is not mm-hmm. just you know Brazil, and I'm sure our listeners have mm-hmm. probably heard this. Well, one thing they've mentioned there is that those who have been burned by the prosperity gospel have kind of hardened their heart to the gospel message. And that kind of makes sense with the false teachers proclaiming a false gospel as if it's true. Have you had the same type of experience kind of there in Brazil or Mm -hmm. there's still kind of this in somewhat maybe tender heartedness Um, within the people you get to evangelize
1: it's that's that's a great question it's hardened it's hardened the heart of the culture at large um because the culture at large has seen this and and the secular media here in brazil is just as bad as the secular media in the u.s maybe worse um but they've taken this and 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 made it The subject of mockery and have lumped all christians in together all all believers protestants in together with this group of people and so Mm uh for for example um uh i was in a class at the i'm taking some classes at our local university here uh, which is another whole story uh but i was sitting in this it was a sociology class and so i'm sitting in this class and the teacher made some some um, comment about, about churches, you know, the influence of churches in society or whatever. And a girl behind me sitting behind me said, well, you know, we all know that they're, they're just in it for the tithe money, you know, and, and, um, and it was so casual. So matter of fact, it's just a, it's just, you know, everybody knows this. And mm-hmm. it, 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 so that's, that's something that we have to, like I said, when you say, I'm a credential, I'm a believer, um, th- then the next phrase is, but I'm not like those guys, <laughs> you know, we we're different. Yeah. And, and so it, it, for, it, for example, when we, when we ha- have, when we take offerings in churches, um, we, we have to, we usually in our churches that the, will say it's offering time. We don't do this to get any kind of blessing from God. We do this as a, as an expression of our gratefulness to all that God has given us. You know, we have to give that little theological lesson every Sunday in most of our churches before the offering is taken, because the Mm -hmm. culture is just so jaded uh, towards any kind of giving to churches. Um,
0: Yeah. 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 We, we've seen that uh, when we've gone to um, Cleveland State, there's, there's, we go out and we do evangelism preach mm-hmm. on the streets and there's another individual who's heretical um has some serious errors but they mm-hmm. also go to cleveland state and and other areas in in the city of cleveland and people have come up and they say oh are you with those guys and it's the same we we say no we're nope. not with them and we are not affiliated they, with them yeah and as they begin <laughs> to see us interact they often yeah. notice and recognize okay yeah, yeah you're you're definitely not difference. like those guys there's yeah. a difference here. Um, but yeah, that's definitely would be something you have to work with and work through because like you said, people's hearts as a culture become hard to that because you want to give them the gospel. We know the gospel is the power of God unto salvation and it changes hard hearts, but they also have that, that, that hindrance because of how they've been wronged or Mm -hmm. you know how they've seen these people manipulate to make take take people's money and pad their pockets and continue to get rich and drive the fancy cars and have the nice houses while they're still in poverty and then like you said it always then puts it back on them because they say well you didn't have enough faith it really it's your fault
1: and it's and it's and, and and they came in they came in on the coattails of a lot of goodwill that protestants had had garnered over the years here in Brazil yeah. and they came in on that and 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 completely destroyed it completely mm-hmm. destroyed it so yeah uh it's a, it's a challenge that we're that, that that's probably one of the biggest challenges that we face spiritually here that and and Brazil is also becoming a a more secular nation and so we're we're dealing with the same Issues of secularization that that you are in the United States also, mm-hmm. so. so so when you when you go, when you go to pray for Brazil and your missionaries in Brazil that you know those are those are two big ones right there.
0: Mm-hmm. Mike, you looked like you was going to say something. Yeah, kind of thinking about
2: you know obviously secularization is not just growing in the Western world, is kind of seen as a as a pathway for developing nations
1: Mm
2: -hmm. and so kind of being in an in a kind of american context has that provided some apologetics answers obviously with these people kind of i don't know how far behind or or whatnot within kind of the progressive movement has that helped that knowing that that you've kind of come from a, a country that is, in one sense, secularizing maybe at a faster rate than it used to be, but it has this
1: tradition of
2: um, bringing in the secular
1: thought. Okay, as a – as a um, <sighs> where to start? Via, uh, uh, that, that's a great question, man. Um, so, so as a uh, as a in in the eyes let me put it this way in the eyes of the brazilian sec, secularist and and i and and and, uh, and i'll add on to that the the, the left skewing um brazilian secularist i am i am absolute i am i'm am a combination of like the worst possible like like I, I am the worst possible person that could exist because i'm white um, I'm, I'm Protestant, I'm heterosexual and I'm American. And, um, and, and so, and so when I talk to those people, I have all of that against me just right off from the very beginning. Um, some things come in, some things work in my favor. I'm married to a Brazilian, uh, who, who is not white as much darker than I am. And, and I have two Brazilian children. So, um, I think I forgot to mention at the very beginning. I have two sons. Uh, one is my son Michael is is twenty, and he lives in the United States. And then my son Nathaniel is fifteen. He lives here. Anyway, sorry. Parentheses. <laughs> um, the uh, the um, the that like I said that gives me that 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 gives me. I start off on the wrong foot, and and it's very hard for me um, to. have to have debate to to shed that kind of that kind of baggage the especially the american baggage um that that's a hard that's a hard one to shake i i I work i work through it because i'm like i said i'm in a i'm taking classes at a university and so and i've been so far i've been able to avoid all of all kinds of hostility there any kind of hostility It's, it's it's been a positive experience so far but to give you an idea we have we use whatsapp down here whatsapp is a big you know chat yeah. program that we use it down here all oh, the the country runs on it and so we have a university the philosophy department has a has their own whatsapp group and the and the the, the avatar the the symbol on our whatsapp group is the the antifa flag um mm-hmm. so that that kind of shows you the the ideology and i don't i don't get involved in the debates in that group um because there's no there's no winning um, winning that, what I what I do, and the best thing you can th- that I can do, my apologetic at this point, is developing relationships with people. And uh, once once they see that I genuinely care about them, and I'm interested in them, uh, cut and that, that kind of cuts through politics, um, then and 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 ideologies, and then they listen to what I have to say and. And the advantage I have is that Brazilians are very it's very easy uh to to make friends. they're very friendly people they have not lost that over the years and uh, and, and it's very easy to make friends and even close friendships and so um that's that that's that's what God uses in a lot of cases uh, to bring people who are hostile to the gospel to a place where they'll accept christ and and uh you know. It is the friendships that we form.
0: Yeah. I think, uh, Mike, I think your wife mentioned last week when you guys did the show together about the book Rosario Butterfield or. Uh, yeah, the gospel comes with the house key. Comes with the house key. And I have not like have
1: not read that one yet. I, I read another yeah. one of hers that was that was amazing. Um, yeah. yeah.
2: I haven't read it. So I'm just going off discussions mm-hmm. on that with my wife. But essentially um, having an open home in which your neighbors can come in and be part of your life and just having kind of that opening Mm -hmm. like that is to have that shared experience to have that um, relationship and to kind of in one way model the gospel change in a family. how does a true believing family act and to think about it in that way Um, Mm -hmm. she commenced the book. It's changed how we've thought about hospitality and trying to be more hospitable, thinking about our neighbors more. Um, And so part of it is, I'm just going to try not to take too much time is I know at times the relationship evangelism it's a bad rap and rightly so there are things that need to be Mm -hmm. that are concerning about it but that doesn't mean you can't create a relationship to share the gospel and have intentional relationships even with unbelievers knowing that i might not be able to present the gospel right away but if i generally care about this person and seek to invest my life in them, not just see them as a gospel opportunity, though. That's what it is, but that they're a God image bearer in there. And I think a lot of times in America, we've just kind of waited for the person to respond. I know it's not, I'm not saying that's what you're, you're doing, but I do think there is some ways in which evangelism and hospitality and friendships um, create that environment that again kind of softens the heart to the message.
1: Yeah, I think um, and, and and I haven't read Rosaria's book i, I it's on my list um, because the first one I read she she does mention a couple things about that, I think, in her first book. Um, it was an influential
2: on her own um, transition yeah yeah
1: of god to becoming a friend of god the the pastor that god that god used to bring her to christ Mm -hmm. absolutely did that with her but it was not at the expense of of sharing the truth yeah um it was never at the expense of that so she always knew where she stood with him and where he stood with her and yeah so that's that's one of the that's one of the good things that one of the things i really enjoy about brazilian culture
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and in fact when people ask me people here ask me you know, when you go to the States, what do you miss most about Brazil? And without hesitation, my answer is always the Brazilians. Um, so I like hanging out with Brazilians. So, you know, mm-hmm. that's the, that it, it's, it's just, they're fun people to be around. And so it, it, you can develop the, those, those deep relationships and, and that leads to gospel and, 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 um, you know, like you said, there's always the balance. You can't do that at the expense of sharing the gospel. You have to be yeah. bold in sharing the gospel. But if they know they care, you care about you. If they know you care about them, you have an in. So anyway.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes in American culture, we tend to forget about other cultures around the world. Um, you know, my 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 wife, I had brought this up on the show once before, um, a church that my wife grew up in was very very kind of legalistic in their approach to, to things. And they had a missionary go off to Africa and then coming back, they said, we want to raise money because they don't have ties over there. So we want to send them ties. Well, I think, and I say that because culture sometimes I think in America, we, we, we don't realize that there's other Christians around the world that are not like us here in America. And so um, some of those things you, you do get like, you know, even within the States, sometimes you see it. I grew up here in Ohio. And then when I was stationed, when I was in the military in New York at West point, and you'd go to New York city and just the difference between the people, I thought people are rude. Then I was stationed in Kentucky and I thought, man, everybody's nice. I go to the gas station, people are saying hi. And so it's just, just like within the States, different States are going to have a different kind of Atmosphere, cultures around the world are going to have that as well. And sometimes I think we got to be uh, open to those things and and willing to say, "Hey, look," and be genuine, like you said. It's not just because you are trying to get a friendship with someone to get that mark to share the gospel with, yeah. them, but it's because yeah. you genuinely want to care for these people. Yeah. And and it's not a, it's not something fake. And people see that and they recognize. Yeah. It.
1: Yeah. If 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 yeah, if, the thing is, yeah, you make a very good point. You can't fake it. You mm-hmm. just can't fake it. So uh, it has to be something that's genuine. Do you love the people? If you don't love the people, why are you a missionary in that place? You know, mm-hmm. as the cultural differences, I grew up in upstate New York, the, the, the cultural difference between where I grew up in upstate New York, Western New York State and New York City is just mm. completely is vast. Yeah. It's two different, two different worlds, basically. And Brazil is a big country. Uh, it's larger than continental United States. Many people don't know that, and so there are cultural differences um, in different parts of Brazil, also. So uh, it's, it's and and, and um, I just visited some friends uh, over on our last furlough. We ended up taking a quick trip to Portugal. Long story, but you know, same language, more or less. It's a European Portuguese, and so on. Completely different culture. And, and the whole hospitality thing that works so great here in Brazil does not work in, in Portuguese, European Portuguese culture. So fascinating mm-hmm. stuff.
0: Yeah. So you said with uh, one of the other things that's taking a lot of your time is getting this camp together. mm mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit more about more about this camp. What what kind of brought this idea on? Is this something that Brazilians like to do? Get away and retreats and things like that. What yeah. what kind of brought this idea of hey, let's get this church camp going?
1: Okay, there's there were several different several different things. First of my my very first experience here in here in San Luis uh, was in 1999. I came up to get engaged uh, to my wife. Her family lived still lives here. However, um uh, of course I met the pastors and, and they were having a church retreat that that those weeks I was gonna be here, one of those weeks they were having a church retreat. And so the pastor said, Well, why don't you come participate in our retreat? And I said, Sure, I'm I'm all for it. And and so they had it, but they had it in a school. And it was cramped and um and you know it's a public school and and they would they get permission from they know someone that works in the education department they get permission to use a school during vacation and so and everyone's crowded into these classrooms and these kids are like you know we spent all week in school and we spent all semester in school and now on vacation we're back in school it was just it was not optimal let me put it that way meanwhile I grew up in upstate New York and um, participated in a, in a couple different camps in that area mostly at a at a camp called Lamoka Baptist Camp, which is on Lamoca Lake in the Fing- Finger Lakes region of New York, shout out to all my Lamoka peeps if you hear me, if you're watching this. Anyway, I got a lot of different tribes around the eastern United States, but anyway, the um, and so I grew up in camp ministry, and I'm here. Man, this a camp would be so much better than this. And I mentioned that to Pastor. We have different camps around in in Brazil also. Camp ministry is is very well known, and 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 very much uh, a part of Brazilian evangelical culture. So I'm not trailblazing anything new as far as Brazilian Mm. ministry goes, but in our area here, our churches had no camp that was theirs. And so that was in 99 and I, and that kind of planted the seed. And I talked to the pastor and pastor said, yeah, pastor Francisco was his name. He said, yeah, I'm, I've always wanted to start a camp up here. So I, I said, all right, well, when we come back, let's make it happen. That was in 99. So we came back. We finally got to San Luis in 2010. I'm sorry, 2011 in the spring of 2011. And and we started working with pastor Francisco and he a couple months after we arrived said, Hey, I'm talking, I was talking with a friend and there's a piece of property available. Let's go look at it. And so we, we went and looked at it and, uh, i mean there was nothing it was just just weeds um uh jungle that's what it was Mm -hmm. and so we um so we said well you know there and there's a river running behind it and all the kind of stuff this i said this would make a perfect camp there's nothing here now but i can see this as a camp and so um long story short we we were able to purchase that piece of property Shortly after we purchased it, that was in September of 2011, in April of 2012, the pastor Francisco, we were partnering with him and planning a church. Um, he was shot. Mm. Uh, it's, it was a horrible thing. My youngest son was there. He was outside his house and a guy came up through the street, just shooting randomly and shot, shot pastor Francisco. And so it was a, and, a, and, and he passed away. It was a it's a very traumatic time for us, but as far as the camp ministry goes, Pastor Francisco was my construction guy because I knew nothing about construction. I knew about camp ministry, but I knew absolutely zero about construction so we had a decision we had lots of decisions at that point, but one of them was are we going to keep the camp and try to keep it going, or are we going to sell it so we we decided to try to keep it going. we started building i I would hire guys. We we build a wall in the front. We dug a well. We went on furlough, uh, talked about the camp in different churches, came back, um, and we started building things. We built a bathroom, then we build a pavilion, then we build a kitchen. Uh, then this last furlough, God allowed us to 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 raise up some money in some pretty amazing circumstances, but raise up some money to buy an adjacent piece of property where we're renovating a house for dormitories, and uh in 2020, in the middle of the pandemic, we had our first retreat um, there because that was about the only thing we could do. Everything else was shut down, but we could still go out in the interior. It's about two hours away from where we live, and uh, we could still go out in the interior and people could gather there and have the retreats. And so we, we did that, and it was it was, it was was wonderful. And and people, people kind of bought into the project at that point. Uh, our churches kind of bought into the project. So now I've got a team of people that work with me. On the camp, and I'm kind of training them to in all aspects of camp ministry. I've sent a couple guys up to the states um to work at Lamoka Baptist Camp uh to kind of intern there to see how camp ministry works. Mm-hmm. And they've come back full of ideas, and so slowly but surely we're getting this going. And I've it's kind of my you know, God directs our lives, and so we no one knows even what tomorrow's gonna bring, but as as I plan for the future, I'd kind of like to dedicate the next 10 years of my life, um, to that and bring the, bring it to the place where we're able to just totally turn it over to the churches and say, this is your ministry. Um, and, uh, you know, take it and run with it, which I'm sure they'll do. Mm -hmm. So, uh, that's where we're at the very beginning stages of that now, but it's, it's what we're doing and I'm pretty excited about it.
0: Yeah. Well, before we get into, um, talking a little bit about the books there, mm-hmm. I would love for you to, to maybe share some stories, some testimonies of seeing the Lord work and provide or in encounters with people. Um, and then maybe some of the struggles that, you know, the Lord has maybe worked in your life to grow you in maybe some, some trials that you've faced there as well.
1: Yeah, so where do we start? <laughs> um, one of the... One of the things that I, I try to transmit to people when I'm uh, when I'm in the U.S. and and it's one of the reasons I'll talk about this later when we get in the book. It's one of the reasons for the books um, is that mission serving God in general and missions in particular is never boring. Never ever. I've never I've been a lot of things here. I've never ever been bored. Um. So. And we have. Um, we have consistently seen, let me put it this way, we have consistently seen God work through s- some of the, what we would consider some of the worst circumstances that could possibly exist uh, for his glory. Um, and, and, and I guess this shouldn't come as a surprise for us as believers, because he says he's going to do that. However, um, sometimes it, it still is. Let me put it that way. It, and, it, and it never gets old. So, I mentioned I mentioned our pastor. Uh, I'll just pick a couple here. I mentioned our pastor getting shot. That had to be uh, perhaps one of the most traumatic experiences of of our lives. And then it was compounded by the fact that the church we were the church we were ministering in called us to take over the pastorate of that church. And that ministry lasted my my first official full time pastor. It lasted one month. Um, and and because the there's a whole lot of details that, that would take forever to get into, but b- basically because the the widow of the pastor and her and his children uh, viewed the church as their inheritance, mm. and uh, and legally they were right. Because of the way that um the church property had been purchased, that uh, I was not involved in that in any way, but uh, the way that it had been purchased, it's all in their name, and so I realized that we realized that that ministry was not going to um, fly and so we uh, we left we we turned in said this is this is just not going to work and uh, turned it over to them. they took the church out of our association and they're they're to this day off doing their own thing there. Um, but we left and we didn't have anything. We had no idea where we were going to go and what we were going to do. And, uh, and that doesn't, that doesn't look good in a prayer letter. Mm. I don't know how many missionaries, you know, but if they're, if they're honest with you, they will tell you that there's an immense pressure, um, to, to have prayer letters and communications of, of successful ministries. And, uh, you know, that, what we went through there did not, did not it's not the kind of stuff you want to put in prayer letters. Uh, however, uh, we we were very certain that God did not want us at that church, but we didn't didn't know what we were going to do. However, um, in the next couple months, God showed us. God introduced us to a couple families in another part of town that had been wanting to start a church. They had been a member of one of our churches, moved over to where there wasn't a church and so they wanted to start a church we got together with them said okay let's do it and and things just fell into place boom 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 we, we had a place to meet we had people to work with us we had two families and then three families and then four families that that formed kind of a core and um and so we started the Ebenezer Baptist Church that's a very popular name for churches down here mm-hmm. and uh so we we started the Ebenezer Baptist Church and and the Ebenezer Baptist Church is going today with its own property its own its own building and and a Brazilian pastor who was a guy that that we kind of we kind of took under our wing, we discipled him, we sent him to bible college, we brought him so but none of none of that would have happened mm-hmm. had it not been for the trauma of April of 2012. and and twelve right and so and so that was something that you know that's just one example there's many mm-hmm. many others. While I was pastor of Ebenezer in 2018, we went through a crisis, and and one of our one of our uh, our the largest of our founding families uh, left um, under not great terms. Once again, not the kind of thing you like to put in your prayer letter or on your website. Um, However, um, God taught me a lot through that. Uh, I I learned a lot, and I and I, God. God the Holy Spirit re- repeatedly had me asking myself the question, "Why exactly am I here doing what I'm doing through through that and and um I don't know if either of you are have pastoral experience um this is not something that's uncommon to pastors um however uh what God did in our church, and I can't go into all the details but what God did in our church after that that was two thousand eighteen. 2019 2020 were, were some of the most blessed years of church ministry that we had mm-hmm. um and, and so uh you know and I could go on there's many many different experiences but um <clears throat> uh, some of them are, are, are on my website so you can go people can scroll through I've, I've written a lot of the stories there so um, people can people can feel free to to go and see that see that but yeah um that's the 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 sovereignty in, of god in this whole enterprise is is something you know we talked about it in bible college classes but but being a missionary has has made it very real very very real and so um i guess if you're like what's the overarching lesson you've learned i i i'd say i've learned that I knew it academically. Mm-hmm. I've learned it. How do you say it in English? God, I've learned it in the flesh, um, experientially. Yeah, experientially. God is sovereign, and yeah. He's good, and, um, and and so all of these things are. It, you know, it's been uh, it, it's been quite the adventure over over the years.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I, I was having a conversation with an uh, individual at church um, this last week, and I and I said. Not everything is black and white. Now there's clear commands in scripture. There's, there's things that are absolutely there and you can see it and it's, it's there, you know, you can't get around those things, but when you're dealing with people, right? I'm not a pastor, but in counseling people or having conversations with people or trying to disciple people and a pastor much more so, you know, than, than, than I would. But when you're dealing with people, not everything is black and white. And mm-hmm. you, you, you have to be willing to have those conversations theologically, you know, things, but again, experientially, when you're, when you're dealing with somebody who's maybe going through a tough time of divorce and stuff, yes, God hates divorce. But when you're dealing with that individual, there's yeah. things that you're working through where another case, mm-hmm. the person may be completely wrong. And you just tell them now you need to repent and stay with your family. Yeah. But over here, yeah. you're trying to work. So not everything's black and white, right? And so you you know it theologically, but when you're experiencing those things, it's like God, again, just showing you, yes, not just in an in a academic or um, mindset of knowing these things, I'm, I'm showing you, like you, Mike said, experientially, yes, I'm sovereign, I'm in control yeah. of this, yeah. and I am with you, even in the good times and the bad times, I'm with you. and yeah,
1: go ahead. It's, it's, it's a term that's overused, but, um, ministry is, is messy. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: That, that term Mm -hmm. gets used a lot, thrown around a lot, sometimes as an excuse, but it's, but it's true. Um, a lot of, there's, there's not a lot of cut and dry when you're working with people and the circumstances they find themselves in and all all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, it's, uh, and, 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 and the evil one is at work. And so, um, you run into a lot of stuff, man, Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff. And, 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 and the knowledge that God is sovereign sometimes is the only thing that gets you through it.
0: Right. Amen. All right. So we'll, we'll kind of get ready to wrap it up here and we'll get into your books here. Uh, Missionary max. You know, like I said, I saw these books here. I'll try to show them again. Um, Here we go. Missionary max, this one here in the lost city. You got a Nazi sign on this mm-hmm. big scary robot looking guy, and yep. then uh here um missionary Max and the jungle princess, yeah. and so like i said i I saw these this was like comic book uh you know um art there, and I'm like, man, maybe the boys will read this and yeah, <laughs> so uh but what kind of brought on I know you mentioned you're gonna get into it that missionary work is not boring,
1: yeah no, no, not at all, so um so the whole, maybe the boys will read it. It is kind of encapsulates the whole reason why I did it. Uh, maybe the boys will read it. Uh, mm-hmm. So it started, number one, it started with a desire to write. I've been a, I've been a, I've enjoyed writing and, and, and my whole life. And I've always wanted to write books and fiction. And um, I was in the, you, if, when you were in the GRBC, did they still have the talents for Christ? competition. Uh, I was in the state and then the national writing competition for that growing up. So writings in my, and my dad's a writer. My dad's a fantastic writer. So he's written like lots of Sunday school material for the, for the regular Baptist press and all that. Um, So I, I, uh, I always wanted to write. And, and so what, what am I going to write? I want it to mean something and, but I want it to be fun and people, I want people to want to read it, you know, and uh, I cut, some things came together. Number one, I was in my first term in Brazil. I was in my 30s going through that kind of crisis. <laughs> I was so young. But anyway, um, the the I thought, you know, if I don't write now, I might never do it. You know, because I don't want to keep postponing it till the end of my life. And, oh, then, you know, it's too late. So I decided to start then. And so obviously it's missions. But what do I want to write? What kind of thing do I want to write? I was watching a documentary on indiana jones and and it happened to mention that when the indiana jones movies came out there was an uptick in in young men who wanted to become archaeologists who enrolled enrolled in archaeology programs and universities and so on there was a measurable uptick and i thought aha There are a few things, based on friends I have that have been involved in archaeology, there are a few things as boring as archaeology. I mean, you know, um, brushing dirt off rocks, how exciting is that? Except for those rare moments when you actually find something. Mm -hmm. It's boring stuff. But because of the movie, people saw it as adventure. And, And I thought to myself, you know, missions really is adventure. Maybe what we need is our own action hero. I mean, if archaeology can have an action hero, why can't missions? And so that was my, that was kind of my thinking. And it, light came. Kind of, well, why don't I write that? And so a missionary and I, so I, then names: missionary Marvin, missionary Mel, missionary and, and Matthew, no, and missionary Max, and that kind of that one gelled. So then um, the story, and, and so I, I started coming up with a story, and I. Had a few ideas. Um, and I I kind of got a rough draft. I back then in my first term, I had Fridays that were free. And my wife very graciously allowed me to go to a little cafe down the road and spend most of my Fridays writing. And so I and I started then I put the book online on my website a chapter at a time. And people really enjoyed it. And I got lots of feedback. There was one dear gentleman in my in one of our supporting churches who would, who would give the church updates on, you know, well, Missionary Max did this this week. <laughs> so, um and, and, you know, it, it was just a chapter at a time. So people really enjoyed it. So then I started looking at options to publish and it was, it was picked up. I had a friend of a friend and it was picked up by a publishing house out of, out on the West coast somewhere that it was just a small startup. And they, they, they produced it as an ebook and it didn't, it, it, you know, it did not hit the New York times bestseller list, uh, in that format at all, uh, still hasn't. Um, but see in that format, it also would never have been found in the thrift store. So anyway, that, that company got bought out. And so I made sure that I got the rights Mm -hmm. to my story and I did, I kind of did a re-editing of it and changed a few things up, uh, from that version. And then I self-published it, uh, using a Amazon's, um, program. Um, I had someone edit it again, like it's very important professional edit. The first book was edited much better than the second book. Um, the third book, which is going to come out sometime. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to do a lot better than I did on the second book. But anyway, um, the, uh, that's very important. And I, and and the other thing is, I, I said I, it's got to have a good cover, and so, um, the book, the whole story has this comic book feel, this adventure feel. Um, that it's just nonstop action. I try to, you know, keep the dialogue to the minimum and kind of emphasize the action and you know snappy dialogue and and just nonstop things are happening, and, um, <coughs> and so uh, I was teaching English here in town. And I, one of my students was involved in the whole Comic-Con scene and, and uh, which we have here in Brazil. It's a big thing. And uh, so I said, what I need, I was talking to her one day. I said, what I need is someone who a really good artist who can draw the covers for my books. And I kind of described the action sequences and so on. And she gave me a list of like 10 names. She just wrote them down here. Look these guys up on Facebook. And so I did. And like the second or third name, I came to, I opened up his Facebook page and there was a picture there and it was like he had drawn missionary max and I'm here, this is the guy. And so I got in contact with him, found out he actually lived just down the road from me. Wow. And, uh, so Zilson was his name, Z I L S O N, uh, not a believer, but he and I have become friends and he's done a lot of other projects for me, both missionary max. You can see on the missionary max page on our website. There's um, a lot of his artwork there. And, uh, and so all the credit for, for um, uh, catching your eye at the store and catching your son's eyes and whatever those are that that's my that that goes to Zeilsun because I did not draw that. Uh, <laughs> I wish I could, but uh, he's uh, he's great. So he um so that uh, we, we published the first one that way and and on my 2016 furlough we we released that and then book two was already written. And I had it edited and then had him draw the cover. And we re- released that one while we were in the United States for the two- 2016 furlough. Mm. I really wanted to get the third one out for this last furlough. It just did not happen. It's about half written. So uh, hopefully that will be the last we can set Missionary Max to rest and, and go on with other things. But um, the, the, the whole point of it is to, uh, is to kind of present missions as adventure. And there's a lot of fun stuff. There's a lot of wacky stuff. Do you have, do you have the first book there? There's something I want to point out. Yeah. The, first was, <clears throat> the first one is the, yeah, that's the first one right there. Um, this is not autobiographical in any way, shape, or form. There's The, 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 the guy, the missionary swinging on a vine um, with, the, with the jungle princess hanging on to his back, that seldom happens in real life seldom, like never. So um, <laughs> this is not autobiographical. <laughs> I, I, I invented a fictional island uh, because I'm familiar with Portuguese. I had it be a former Portuguese colony, but I threw a lot of things in there. Um, I could, because it's a fictional island, I could make it the way I wanted it. And in the first book, the hero, he, he kind of, he, he's kind of an accidental missionary. He, he arrives on the field to help with a construction project. And uh, the missionaries bail on him. They just leave. And he's, and he's stuck in the middle, finds himself in the middle of a situation uh, it, mixed up in the, in the intrigue uh, that's going on in the island. And at the same time, trying to encourage the, the local church that the missionaries left. And uh, then in book two, uh, the intrigue, the plot thickens <laughs> the intrigue continues and, and it's not just limited to the island anymore it's a worldwide thing and book three which is not written yet but it kind of takes on biblical proportions so i i'm gonna stop with book three or else we're gonna have to have missionary max goes to space or something like that there's no yeah not much more we can do <laughs> so, so but anyway that's a, that's the whole point and and uh, that the whole point of the stories anyway, go ahead
2: so I guess the next question is when is the movie coming out
1: <laughs> as soon as as soon as, um, as i get I get contacted by a director, but we're getting there because this is my this is my first podcast, so a go. movie deal a movie deal cannot be far behind that 's what <laughs> i'm thinking
0: we'll add that to the list of prayers <laughs>
1: if, if if anybody if any if any of you know Kirk Cameron, have him give me a call yeah
0: no yeah um i I think ricky probably knows
2: ricky's the famous one he's in american gospel he probably has connections
1: gotcha no
0: we uh um
1: i did not realize that while i'm in the presence of celebrity
0: oh no so so, (laughs) no um (laughs) it's funny like there's there's like a it's like a five second clip or so in american gospel and when i've gone to um uh, evangelize at the Kentucky Derby or with these other street preachers that I know, they'll always give me a hard time. I'm like, Hey, Ricky, like hey. you're going to sign my copy. That's awesome. So they give me, they give That's me a awesome. lot, of, yeah. lot of, you know, um, pulling, pulling on me, but, uh, but no, we, we, I think it's great. Uh, cause like you said, you know, missions is not a boring, boring no. thing, being a missionary. No. Um, and it's interesting to know, cause I didn't know that, that people wanted to become, uh, archaeologists because of yeah. Indiana Jones because yeah. it does the movies they're exciting you know and, yeah. and you think man this is adventure let me go and get this thing and big rolling stones come after you and all this stuff and but um, it's not how it is in real life but with missions you are always you know involved in something yeah. there's always stuff going on and,
1: and so a, yeah um, go ahead there was a there was there was a disconnect when I was growing up when I was growing up, we heard our missionary stories. Um, every once in a while, there'd be a story about a a male missionary. Like I, I remember hearing a story about Jim Elliot, and that was something that would be appealing. But a lot of times, it was like, um, "Oh, what was her name?" And I'm not belittling her her ministry, but you know, the missionary stories I heard it's very small. The the little girl, oh, what was her name? It's terrible. Uh, she was from Scotland, I think, but she went to India. And she prayed that when she was, uh, she had brown eyes and she prayed that God would make her eyes blue. Is it Amy Carmichael, That's the one. Yes. And, you know, that's a nice story, but that didn't do much for me as a guy, you know, and not belittling her ministry. She's a hero of the faith, you know, and, and, and if I, I think if some of the things she did in India had been taught to me, I might've been more impressed as a, mm-hmm. as a guy growing up. However, when I came to the mission field, I met real live missionaries. You know, I met guys who, who in the early days had been stoned, not as in people throwing stones at them, not, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, people throwing actual stones at them, um, because uh, they're witnessing for their faith. Mm -hmm. I met guys who'd been in plane crashes in the jungle, you know? Uh, I I met guys who, who would go out and and sleep in hammocks and then go to the next village and preach and then sleep in hammocks under trees and then go out, you know, and that, that's like, wow, these guys are heroes. These guys Mm -hmm. are, you know, that's heroic stuff. And, and, and God has, I think, created guys to, to, um, to be, to identify with that. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of, in a, in a fun way. That's what I want to do with missionary max. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. Well, why don't you go ahead and uh, let the listeners know again, where they can find more about you your website. And uh,
1: uh. yeah, well, our website is Andrew it's That's just it's the easiest way to, for people to find us. And uh, I have, um, I'm on social media on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And on all of those I'm Andrew Cummings. It's just, the same theme running through the whole thing so and i think you can probably see my name on the screen there that's how it's spelled c-o-m-i-n-g-s people try to spell it all kinds of different ways but that's that's how it's spelled and uh on our website you'll see i have pinned right to the top you can see about our camp ministry and you can see about missionary max there's a whole thing anything you want to know and there's links where you can go and get that stuff on Amazon. So you can buy the books on Amazon exclusively uh, for now on Amazon. And you can get those in the, in the print version that you saw there, or um, you can also get them in Kindle for, Mm -hmm. for your Kindle. So, um, and if you, you know, I I do some things with our churches Uh, I've, I've given, i've i've given them away i've sent three or four books to a a church that will be having a vacation bible school if they want to use them as prizes and that kind of thing so if churches are interested in that just get in touch with me through facebook um it's probably the best way or send me a dm on twitter or whatever and uh and we'll talk you got you got in touch with me through facebook so yeah that's how that's how it works
0: yeah, it was very interesting. You know, I actually had to keep looking at the book because I wanted to spell it C-U-M-M-I-N-G. Yeah. But uh, I'm like, okay, is this right? It's got to be right. It's on it's, cover. The, its the
1: <laughs> Way way, way back in Scotland, we were the same family. Yeah. And then there was a they branched off. I don't know if you all can see this. It's mirror imaged, but mm-hmm. that's my family. So there's pictures of them on the site, but I didn't want to leave without showing everybody my lovely wife and my two sons, Michael and Nathaniel. So,
0: yeah. well, Andrew, we, we want to thank you for coming on the program um, and sharing with us uh, the work that the Lord's doing with you there in in Brazil um, and some of the adventures that you've experienced, yeah. uh, as well as, uh, you know, how uh, how we could be praying for you. Uh, as yeah. you mentioned, well, I appreciate praying for the institute, praying for the camp. Uh, And so any last words or thought that you would like to leave the people with here uh, that may watch this uh, either concerning Brazil and the people over there and how, how else we could pray for you. Any, any last thoughts or words?
1: Yeah. Uh, First of all, I want to thank you guys. Uh, This has been great. This has been, I've always wondered what it'd be like to be on a podcast. And so this is, this is, this is wonderful. Um, And I appreciate it. Thanks for getting in touch with me and to whoever bought my book and then Turned it into the thrift store. <laughs> thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Um, from the bottom of my heart. Um, so this was uh, thanks. Thanks. Thanks a lot. This was, this was really great. I enjoyed it. I hope you're, I hope your listeners uh, find some benefit from it. Um, as far as prayer requests uh, pray that pray that God would send us workers. Uh, every both raise up workers here in Brazil and from other parts to come help us in Brazil. Every time I talk with my Brazilian colleagues, every time I talk with my colleagues who are missionaries with Baptist missions, and even around the world, we're in desperate need of workers. So, so, and and if you think maybe, you know, maybe I, maybe being a missionary in Brazil is for me um, contact me. I'd be happy to talk to you because that's our, that's our greatest need right now is workers so um uh that that i think is the per request that, that that's on and i think if i had my colleagues here they would all be nodding their heads yep that's exactly what we need so and uh once again thanks a lot this has been great
0: all right well thank you again andrew that's been uh, g220 radio for tonight until next time god bless